Hi, my name is Nicole J. Georges. I'm a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist staying in Los Angeles, California with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> this is our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Today on Sagittarian Matters, we go back in time to better days with Beth Ditto. Stay tuned. Beth Ditto is a fashion designer, a musician, and a friend. You may know her from the band Gossip. In this episode, from March of 2016, Beth took over my advice mailbag. We talked about feminism, punk, accepting compliments, flame wars on the internet, and the always exciting polyamory. Please enjoy. Hey, Nicole. Um, I feel like you're really gracious, and I was wondering if you could give me advice about how to be more gracious, like... When you work hard or good things happen to you, how do you, like, accept people being excited for you without being self-deprecating or, like, getting too much of a big head or, I don't know, think that you handle yourself classy? How do you do it? Well, I used to be the queen of immediately deflecting it in a way, like in an unhealthy way, like because I honestly believed that people were just being nice to me. That's what I believe. (laughs) And then I realized that it, like, like saying the opposite of what they're saying, like if someone was like, oh, you're such a good singer, I'd be like, no, I'm not immediately because I believed that I wasn't. And still believe that, actually. But I had to learn how to just be comfortable. First of all, let me start with the story. When I was 13 or 14, I went to stay with my grandmother, who was my northern grandma. So it was kind of weird. Weird cultural differences. I can't explain. And then um, I never stayed with her before. She was kind of a stranger to me. But I went because she was old and alone because her husband had just died. And on one random afternoon that I was there, she handed me $5. Hmm. And I put the $5 in my book. I was reading a Janis Joplin biography, autobiography, not autobiography, biography. And kept saying, okay, how do you say thank you to grandma? Because this is so sweet, but thank you is not enough. I was like, I need to say or like make her something. But So in the moment, I didn't say thank you. And then about an hour later, and the whole time I'm racking my brain, like, thank you's not enough. This is so sweet. She's my grandma who was on a budget. And then an hour later, my grandma starts crying because she thinks I'm not thankful for this $5. When the, in the whole, really, in reality, the whole time, I'm so, I was racking my brain and I was anxious because I didn't feel like thank you was enough. And I wanted to do something special and better. When in that moment, I realized thank you is enough. Even if it doesn't feel like enough, thank you is enough. And you have to train yourself to say thank you. And that's all it takes. Two little words. 
thank you. Oh, thank you. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, just be like, oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Even if you don't believe it. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Not being able to take a compliment is like probably because you have low self-esteem, I think. It's like weirdly disrespectful to the person giving you the compliment to involve them in your low self-esteem. Right. You'd be like, no, you're wrong. They don't know you feel that way. No. Or them being like, you're good at that. And you'd be like, no, you must have poor taste because you're wrong. Or like, Yeah. Or just like, yeah. I mean, I guess it is. I never thought about it like that. But I don't know. the other thing is, is the, the, nothing could probably be worse because in your mind, you're thinking that you don't want them to think that you have this huge ego or it's, you're worried about what they think. When really, if you really get down to it, all they're just telling you something nice about yourself. And this, it's so simple just to say thank you. Yeah. But it takes practice. It does take just practice. takes practice. That's I, all. I think that... So this person asked about getting a big head and like... Don't make your grandma cry. Don't make your grandma cry? Well, recently I've been... Different people have... Like, it's come up three or four different times in the past few weeks, people talking about people having a big head. And I just... I don't see... I've never seen a woman where their ego was a problem. Like, I I guess I've never met a woman whose self-esteem is so phenomenal that it has actually hurt anybody. Like, I'm like, oh... Uh, there's a woman who loves herself and is accepting praise for something she does in public. Like, that's a radical to me. That's a feminist radical act because the world is. tells women to not get too big for their britches or to not right. take up too much space. Right. Also, do you do you agree yeah, with that? obvious? Of course, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we're told and we're we're wired not to have an ego, and a legal ego is good. It's. Like it, it goes a long way. It can be very protective. I think. I think because when you do, I think I think that's another thing too. Is ego gets a bad rap when you can have an ego, but it doesn't necessarily have to be negative or um, negative or big headed. I mean, it can be absolutely associated with having accepting yourself at a certain at a certain place with your talent even if you're not necessarily comfortable with it. And sometimes it's really not about how you feel in the moment. Let me just say this. I agree with everything you're saying, but a side note, it's not necessarily a reflection of how you feel about yourself when you are accepting a compliment. It's more about how you're making that person feel for kind of kind of bucking up and telling you a nice thing. Because I don't know about you, but like if someone, it takes me, I 100% believe that we should be telling each other nice things, especially as women and as punks, because I feel like in the punk scene, and there's so much female competition anyway, that it absolutely, I think, starts with telling each other how much we support them or how good we think they are or how proud of them we are. Because I know that for a long time, I don't feel like, like it took me a while to find people who were supportive because I feel like in the punk scene, you're not supposed to do that for whatever reason. Yeah, Like it's not cool to acknowledge successes or growth or whatever that is to you it's really cool to be a martyr in punk yeah like it's cool to be a martyr and they in glorifying poverty and glorifying otherness and like that's not healthy um there used to be something in portland called feminist club which i wish i was a part of but i wasn't in feminist (laughs) club that one of their mottos was talk nice to each other and it was so simple but then when yeah. I actually thought about it, I was like, "That's it's so rare for women to just say, like, you did a great job or 
This thing yeah. you did is awesome. I mean, it's like when we worked at rock camp and they were like, okay, say nice things to the girls. Don't say great things to them about their appearance because that's kind of the only way we validate women. Right. Say nice things to them about the actions they're taking or the things they're doing. Right, exactly. It's so are nice. There... And it's, it's, it is it's so a, nice. And it doesn't diminish you to tell other people nice things or to help other people out. It actually builds you. Yeah, and look at male culture. Like, they're the exact opposite. So they're not wired or they're not socialized into telling each other how good they look. So they value each other's accomplishments. Yeah. You know, and then look what happens. It's like they get to actually accomplish things without thinking about the way that they look or, like, don't look. That's the injustice, obviously. I mean, I think that goes without saying. I think that, I don't know. I think that, like, the male culture of like congratulations and self-congratulations trickles down. And so then straight women, sometimes it rubs off on them and they're like, oh, I shouldn't say that I'm too great because that's not a good thing. But maybe it's not a good thing if you're a straight guy and everyone already tells you you're so great. But as somebody who is part of a a minority group or a- Marginalized part of society. Yeah, a less privileged group, it's not a terrible thing for you to say that you're okay. And also separately, self-deprecation is not the same as being humble. I think I'm good enough. I don't think that my books are the best books. I don't think I'm the best cartoonist in the world. But I think my books are good enough. They just exist. Yeah, but they just get that's the other thing too. It's really, it's like context is everything. So it's like you're not good. At, they're not the best cartoon in the world. Com- like compared to what? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that like, anyone else's cartoon deserves to be out there anymore. I don't think anyone else's story deserves to get told more than my story. And I think that's the thing where it's like context is yeah. everything. It's like. You can't compare yourself that way. Kristen always reminds me that she's like, you can't keep comparing yourself to like whatever, like what other people are doing. So it's like your your book isn't as good as it like isn't the best in the world compared to what? Yeah, doesn't okay. matter. There's different elements of different books that I'm like, oh, I wish my book looked like this, or I wish that yeah. I could be reborn. In the context this. that you have, you wish you want your your standards in a different place, and you want them to be there. You want yours to meet that standard. Yeah, or like, yeah. I'm not, I don't like want to name any book names because I don't want to make it seem like I feel competitive or anything. Where the red fern grows. Where the red fern grows. But that's capitalism, you know? That's what capitalism does to us. It's like when a book is at this level, it's usually not at a creative level that we're like, man, I wish that I could, in, like, in, like, that I could capture that or whatever. Capitalism and also, um, the patriarchy enforce scarcity and that there's only room for a few of each a few right but there's not that's not true it's limitless like there could be yeah. more than one feminist voice there could be more than one mm. comic about a gay woman what mm, exactly there's, there's plenty of comics about straight people mm. there could be more than one queer cartoonist that everyone would be like so what do you think about this other person whose work is similar to yours well great there's more than one of me in the world yeah so there's more than one story to be told and maybe they're similar. Maybe they're parallel. But guess what? That's because there are a lot of us. So that's how I feel, like, especially with fat things, like fat things or like, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, with fat designing anything or like having any kind of voice. It's like right now there's like a huge, really cool thing going on where like a lot of plus size models are getting a lot of attention and the the fat movement is getting is gaining momentum like it never has before, like really, really quickly. And so, like, I think it's kind of cool because it came from punk rock. So 
in my opinion, I think the queer scene had a lot to do with that too. So it kind of comes from a place of queer ethics, but then you can see it kind of being like, it's like, it's starting to leave that a little bit. And like, you don't, I don't want it to go back into a place of like female competition and like embedded sexism. It's so sad, but you know, I think there is, there's that thing too. It's like, well, how do you feel about so-and-so and so-and-so? And you're like, great. Yeah. It's like, you know what I always think is like the best quote that has to like pertaining to that, I think is when in an interview, someone asked Toby Bell or Kathy, Kathleen Hannah, they were like, you know, what do you think about the bikini pill people versus the court, uh, the, the whole people? And they, she was like, why can't they just listen to both? Why does it have to be one or the other? Why do women have to be pitted up against each other? Yeah. But can't, why can't they just listen to both? It's one of the most, it's the easiest smartest answer it's like why does that have to be yeah why does it have to be one or the other why can't we just do it both you could also have complicated feelings about different pieces of art and it's by women and it's okay it doesn't have to be a war you could be like wow corgi love shouldn't have punched kathleen hannah in the face right i like bikini kill and hole yeah or you know exactly like i just why do feminists have to be perfect why do women in public have to be perfect everybody is really excited to throw stones at women for any misstep and then yeah. against each other. Well, even in a misstep is, is it's like, maybe it isn't even a misstep. Like maybe you just don't agree. And sometimes the world's not really ready, especially with feminism to hear what you have to say because they've never, they've never even heard it before in a, in a on the, on a big scale. Do you know what I mean? I like usually, yeah. Usually like punk feminists are used to talking to other punk feminists and we have an entirely different code of ethics and code of like, like language so like if someone else hears you say that and like on a big scale like the mainstream or whatever or just right outside of our community or bubble then they're not used to hearing that so they immediately it's like they don't even understand it sometimes it's a little bit like jarring yeah like do you have an example hmm like if i said something to you pertaining to like 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 if I said something to you about how I felt like gay men can feed into the patriarchy, mm-hmm. I don't have to dis- I don't have to explain that to you, right? No, because you understand. I don't feel like I'd have to explain that to other gay punk men who are in the punk scene. I don't think I'd have to explain that. But if you say that to, like, say, like um, a journalist or a person that you're in a conversation with that doesn't does not come from where you're coming from, that sounds counterproductive. It sounds um, blaming. It sounds homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when re- in reality, it's just like, that's, that's, it's not any, it has nothing to do with any of those things. No, like you don't and need you, to qualify it to me. Like I don't ever need to be like, hey, wait, are you homophobic? Or you don't support other no. people? I'm like, of course, they're your family. You love them. Right. And you're saying this thing that they're doing is not helpful to them. <clears throat> right. And so, like, I don't have to explain that to you, but you have to explain to other people. So when that comes out and, like, it's just that thing where it's, like, you can't be honest and you always have to be really careful about what you say. And then men don't really have to deal with that. Their their repercussions aren't the same, for one, because they don't have an entire... It's hard to do the right thing when you come from a feminist scene because you want to do right by them because they created you, mm-hmm. you know? But then you don't... And punk or whatever. But, like you have two sides that you're trying to, it's like, especially if you have any kind of, maybe this is, this is just my experience, but like, if you have any kind of crossover, especially when you like write a book or, you know, those things aren't 
those they're not going to just feminist bookstores they're going to go to places where anyone can see them yeah. and like read them so like you have two completely different groups that you're constantly trying to balance and you're not trying to please one or the other but you're just trying to be as clear as you possibly can be and men don't have to worry about that as usually like straight white men in the world because there isn't this this like there isn't this politicized like um i hate the word politically correct there isn't this like there isn't this group behind them that they sprang from and that they were they came from that kind of like taught them everything they know that is just as quick in my mind to be to just bite you in the ass if you do something wrong without you know against the codes of you know what they think is right and then there's this other group that doesn't get you at fucking all like at all that is just ready to like shred you to bits because you are a woman or because they don't understand your politics or because they hear a word like feminist and they immediately have their own like associations with it and then you're you're riding this weird line where you feel like you don't want to you're not you don't want to abandon your scene because that's your home and you don't but also you're just trying, you're trying to break, you're trying to represent your scene. That's the thing. You're trying to represent your people in the light to these people that don't get you at all. And so you're writing this insane line of trying to, trying not just, not trying to please people that's different, but trying to make yourself as clear as you possibly can. And sure to kind of like take back the words of like, what what feminism actually means or like whatever. It's just all, it's a bunch of bullshit. Like you are, it's kind of like a minefield. You have to. I think people you have to love deal that. With that I know not everyone feels like that because you I think, dwell in like a books, cave. It seems like books have a broader swath of different populations and thinkers than like yeah. fashion. Like fashion is a totally different landscape. It's been dominated by one kind of you know body, yeah. one kind of culture and person for a long time. But in genuinely, though, fashion, to me, feels more at home and open than music by far. What? And I think that's what's funny. Like, when people talk about, like, when I talk about things like that, I'm talking about music journalism way more versus, because you have to understand, like, the gay men thing, yeah, that's different. But you have to understand that music is so male-dominated, so white male-dominated. And then when you have, like, fashion which is still like very white. It's still very gay male. And but so there are gay people and there are women. So it's run by women and gay men. So for me, I feel like those conversations go much further and may, are way more understood than in music at all. That makes more, I guess that makes a lot of sense to me because those people seem naturally freakier. They're way freakier, also, especially when you meet designers. They're weird. <laughs> They're weird, usually weird homos. Yeah. Who grew up listening to the same thing that you did or feeling the same way you did. You don't. And then you meet, you know, like you really will meet music people who are like, oh, Wolf Mother is the best band. And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? <laughs> or like Kings of Leon. Oh, really reinvented anything. I was like, what? You'll just be like, what? You'll be like, have you heard ESG? And they're like, who's ESG? And you're like, see? But if you say that to a punk designer, they'll be like, oh my God, ESG is everything. You know, sense. or they'll be like, Oh, Donna Summer or Barbara. People who worship Barbara Streisand are a-okay with me. You're listening to Sagittarian Matters by Nicole George.
at Betty Davis the other day. Again. No, I was talking about her too. Like probably two days ago. That's funny. She's so pro-sex worker. Wait, um, I wanted to say something. And she was the ex. I mean, she's Miles. Wait, which Betty Davis? The singer? The singer. Yeah. Miles Davis' ex who was like, that just wasn't my scene. Like him being an abusive alcoholic. Yeah. And then started her own group. Yeah. Amazing. I can't remember how she fell out of grace. I have to look it up again. But I remember reading that Island Records shelved her last two records, and I can't remember why. I can imagine. I can think of, like, 50 things. <laughs> I can't remember the specific thing, but people look up Betty Davis. That's fuck, a Googler. Fuck, so legend. That's a Googler for you. That's a Googler. And when I was answering the question about grace and whatever, I kept coming back to gratitude. And every time I tried to answer this question on my own without you, like in my bathroom recording it into my phone, which is maybe the podcast version of singing into your hairbrush, I was <laughs> crying because, and I started crying at the Lambda Awards, giving a speech, because I just, I feel so grateful for all the feminists that have come before me. Absolutely. And the gay people and the lesbian cartoonists and the people that have fought for me to have this space. So then yeah. for me, like part of accepting people's praise is me like taking advantage of this spot that they made for me. Like, right. Taking advantage, like all these people struggled super hard and didn't get recognition for their work. And yeah. like, I am getting to stand on their shoulders to get these things. And to me, it's like, grat- like part of showing them that I'm grateful is me accepting the things that are coming in for all the work they've done. No, I can't agree. I know exactly how you feel. There's that too. And then there's the idea that future generations, like if we start saying thank you and treating each other kind and like, and like paying homage and like, what just recognizing these amazing people. And it's like saying thank you to people who give you a compliment is like saying thank you to the people who came before you. Like you're, you know, if that's the thing, then imagine how if we start doing that now, how much easier it will be for girls 10 years from now. <laughs> and how amazing is that, you know? That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like when I went to see the punk singer, I just started crying from like the opening credits on. I still haven't seen it. Oh, my God. You know why? I think because I'm a Pisces and I don't think people realize but I'm so sensitive I, like I'm, a, I'm almost afraid of how I'm gonna feel <laughs> it it makes you feel such gratitude I think and inspiration but also like Kathleen and I went, went through so much shit so much bullshit <sighs> mm. there's also this this is totally separate but there's you know this thing that I that there's like strong feminist women out in public and they get so much shit from everyone that eventually their bodies or minds start failing. I don't think get feeble-minded, but I mean like people have mental breaks or they have a mental breakdown Mm. or people's bodies start, you know, ailing because they're taking in all this stress from the whole world and they are taking all the hits for us. That's what I mean by riding that line. See, Kathleen does understand that too, is that not only was she doing it for the punk scene, how much hate did she get from that? Yeah. Just, I mean, the male punk scene too. I mean, come the fuck on. And then, because not only was she infiltrating, because she was doing it both at the same time and it hadn't been done on that level ever before. Not only was Bikini Kill doing that, like infiltrating the mainstream and changing the punk scene, the masculine, you know, dominated, like all that bullshit, all that hardcore bullshit. Which was and then, my scene. Which was your scene. I can't even imagine. I'm so, see, I'm so grateful. <laughs> 
that in a way that where we were was so secluded and we just had weird trickle down of the scene and didn't have a scene. So we had to create it ourselves. Yeah. So I didn't have to join a scene like that. Like our scene was so stupid and weird. It was amazing. Wait, I, I mean, de- stupid. I derailed you. Yeah. You were saying not only did she have to. Well, she had to ride that line. And so and then I can't imagine like what that was 20 years ago or more. And having to feel that way also you know there is no there's for me there's no coincidence that i get to be a successful singer because like there it's no coincidence that that i came from that scene and that that's the only reason why i get to do that is because of bands like bikini kill absolutely there's absolutely a nice nin quote that i just liked and posted saw somewhere that said like if i hadn't created my own world i surely would have died in other people's yeah i saw that did you post that i think i posted that yeah i uh i just like that's how i feel about riot girl and queer punk and the pacific northwest and getting to come of age in the pacific northwest around gay people that were supportive and kind and post riot girl yeah. Was that I got to be free and create my own world without people telling me, oh, you can't do that, or you're too big for your britches, or oh, who do you think you are? Like, none of that. People are like, whatever you think you are, that's great. Can you actually be weirder? Yeah. <laughs> can Actually, can you push the envelope a little more? I just think about that, what it would be like, and I don't know what it's like. I mean, only on a small scale. But not in the way, not in the way that all of those bands and writers and, like, I think about Nomi. Think about Nomi Lamb for me personally, because I can't imagine, I can't imagine, but like what it must be like to watch this incredible movement now, 20 something years later, blossoming out of something that she was like one of a few of, you yeah. know, and then to move on and create a life of its own, which is the hardest thing is because you can't control what happens with the movement that you've created, you know, we should describe who Nomi Lamb is. Nomi Lamb is a fat activist, disabled, right? Disabled fat activist, Jewish, queer, Jewish woman from Olympia, Washington, who was born and raised there, which is like another weird thing. Like she's not the weirdest thing about her. It might be. (laughs) Um, but she really just her existence taught me a lot about myself. When I moved to Olympia, I felt invincible because I met Nomi Lamb. She did a zine. I even got her zine in Kansas called I'm So Fucking Beautiful. So Fucking Beautiful. Yeah. It was about, it was like, and it just, from the beginning, it said, this is the zine of, you know, a fat, queer, disabled Jew. And it's called I'm So Fucking Beautiful. And it's all these righteous talks about, you know, fat power and privilege. Right. Everything in it. Like reading that in Kansas. Like, being like a teenager who was starving myself eating ice chips, like, and like just seeing I'm so fucking beautiful blew my mind. I loved it because as a fat person, because I didn't have the experience of being a thin person reading it. And as a fat person, I remember there was, I think in the first one, she talks about how all she wants is just for someone to look at her and just be like, you're so fucking beautiful. And like, they're not all she wants, but how amazing that would be because we don't get that. And a lot of people don't get that, but especially fat people don't get that. And in fact, we get the opposite. And then talking about, and then but calling it, I'm so fucking beautiful. And just the idea that she's like, if someone's not going to fucking tell me that, then it's up to me 
to tell myself that. And that goes back to ego and it goes back to being grateful. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's time and the advancement, I think, of women artists and or queer artists, um, any kind of other artists, like, and I say, like, we're the others, you know, yes. like any kind of like, any kind of marginalized minority group of people. Like I feel like the own our advancement and our survival depends on if no one is going to tell you that, if no one's going to create it for you, then you have to tell yourself and you have to create it. And it's a nice time in, in our culture and the way that we're being seen in mainstream culture. Not only that, given the internet, it's opening up the, you know, of course it's opening up a world of people to be connected. And of course you're going to meet people who are like-minded and people who want to be supportive and are going to tell you you're amazing because we're lucky enough to be in that, in a connected world where people who get you are going to be able to have direct contact with you. That's never happened before. So we're also being faced with this thing which is like, how do you take a compliment? Because you are for the first time in the history of the world, being able to connect with someone literally face to face in that moment. Whereas before you had to wait for a letter yeah. or like, you know, weeks or like you have to wait for them, someone to come to your town and like meet them. Yeah. And so now you're being faced with things like, you know what, this really changed me or this moved me. This was beautiful. You inspire me like all of those things. And I think one way that it could help you practice saying thank you or being graceful, whatever, whatever it is that you want to, to purvey to the person who's handing you the compliment, grateful. I think it's good practice to remember that it's a part of the revolution that we learn how to be grateful towards other people, because for the first time in history, we're, we're, we are being face to face with the people who do appreciate us instead of being so far removed from them. Like, you know, like before you would have some, maybe a pin pal in England and, you know, that was the only person you felt supported by or the only person who told you nice things about you, yeah. yourself or your talent. And so now those people are literally being able to say something to you right then in one second, you'll receive the compliment. And I think part of the revolution is learning how to say thank you and just saying thank you. And like you said, you're doing it saying thank you for all the people who came before you. And like every time you say thank you, yeah, you're 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 giving credit to all of the people that came before you and that you're paying it forward in the way that if you start doing that, then women and other artists will start to to take that on to, as well. Yeah. And like they'll start to do that. And it'll be a learned behavior that actually having a little bit of an ego or believing in yourself isn't is not self-deprecation isn't punk. It's it is what it is. It's still self-deprecation. It's actually like it's self-love and self-acceptance and accepting your talents even if it's not you're not where you want to be yet in your talent like or whatever that is like it's still important to say thank you to people for one so that they'll continue to say nice things to other women and not feel like like they didn't like they felt and not feel ridiculous because i know you've probably paid a compliment to people that you looked up to and maybe didn't necessarily it didn't go that well you know, <laughs> I think there's different people. I, I just had to detach from their reaction and just know that I needed to tell them I needed to gush for a minute and say this thing and then be like, oh, yeah, okay. And now it seems like I made it weird. So now I'm going to go. Right. I just had to tell you how much I love your thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think that's it, you know, and there's no way that that just, there's no way that when you walked away from the table, someone was like, oh my God, you know, no. there's no way that they didn't take that and were just like, but the thing is, is they didn't know how to say thank you. Yeah. And if we start teaching each other how to say thank you, I mean, just those two words, that's it. Just oh, thank you. Pretend thank that you. you deserve it. Maybe you don't believe it yet, but maybe at some point you will because you're teaching your brain this thing. Right. Like, just accept it. Just accept it. Like, accept it. Accept their words. And if for anything, just to make that person feel not comfortable, not to make them more comfortable, but to feel empowered by sharing their good thoughts with, with another woman. Yeah. You know? It's and even, even if you don't say thank you because it feels like it's not enough, oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Also a good thing, you know, I, these like, things like sometimes I can't, res I don't, I, I'm actually bad. I don't respond to fan mail very well. I honestly don't. I'm not good at it. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a thing I'm the least good at, but when I get those things like those letters or a message or whatever, it makes my day. Yeah. And I could be in like a, a pit of despair and then I get a fucking psychotic letter from somebody that's like five pages long. Who's a stranger telling me they appreciate me. And I, it's really nice to be like, oh, this is reaching somebody else. Like, I'm doing this thing and it feels lonely and awful, but it's doing something for someone and that's enough because that was yeah. a lot for me when I was a teenager to have people like, I'm so fucking beautiful or to read yeah. Riot Girl zines or to see Outpunk. Yeah. Punk, Outpunk. Gay zine. Things like that meant so much to me and being able to tell those people and be like a fan nerd. Meant, it meant so much to me to be able to just say, like, I appreciate you, that I I respect when other people reach out and do that. Because it's kind of brave, too. It is brave. It's really brave to, to approach someone and be like, I really like what you do. By the way, it's kind of, it's weirdly the opposite of call-out culture. Because right now, on the internet, with our instant back-and-forth thing, call-out yeah. culture, like calling people on their shit in public, oh, to yeah. me, like... I when I have a I recently heard I, something that's amazing. Armchair activists. Yes, armchair activists. It's my favorite. I was like, oh my god, that just changed my life. When when I have a critique of something that a queer or feminist person is doing online, I will privately message them. I don't need to put mm. it on their fucking like web page, like it's a bulletin board, and be like, I have a like. I just people diss women all the time and people make fun of women and diminish their work all the time all the i don't time. feel like i need to do that by attacking somebody in public because i don't agree with their politics right. i can have a conversation with them not in public where i'm not tearing them down as a way to exactly it's not like i've always believed in building not tearing down so yeah if i think you that's build a something really... better people can run to it instead of you being a fucking black clad anarchist, misogynist, violent freakazoid. Also, talk about ego. Who the fuck do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's like what, what kind of bravado ego is that? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were the most right person in the world. And also there's this thing where it's just like you, the internet creates a division in a way. It's so good and so bad. And like you see pictures of people, you read their little tiny things that they write or their big ones, whatever, but you don't know them. Unless you know them, you don't fucking know them. You don't know other people's business. You don't know their politics. You don't know the. You don't know their experiences. Mm -mm. You don't know who they are at all. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know. You know. You just don't know them. And that took me a long time to realize too. So the people who are one of being hateful, it's like it, it breaks. It's hard for me because I'm just like I don't know anyone in the punk scene in the in my group of friends 
that doesn't 100% want the best for every, for all the, for their community or their scene or for like people who are being so fucked over in the world. I don't know one person that wants that when this is what's hard for me and like with especially with Trump lately is I'm just like you realize that there are people out there who really do not want you to thrive and really do want to hurt you and are out to get you, you and said, your scene you is not it no well this is what you you personally said this and I think about it all the time because you're talking about like your mom saying something that is like she says it in an imperfect way or your family yeah. says something to you in an imperfect way you know, that yeah. might be, like, not politically correct or whatever, but you think we're all on the same side. Yeah, At the end of the exactly. day, we're on the same side. Yeah, and I know that that doesn't, is not all people can exist in that, and I know that that partly comes with a privilege, like, maybe white privilege, or, like, you know, um, but at the same time, I feel like if you like you said, if there aren't people who, those people have an absolute, the people who can't stay and build, have an absolute right to run away and do their thing. That's different from tearing people up. Yeah. That's completely different. They have a right to run away from this and be like, this is stupid. This makes me feel like shit. But I feel like that's where I feel like I can, that one of my strong, one of the things that I feel like I have to do in life, and maybe it's because I am was raised a woman and I'm a fixer. I don't know. Is I feel like my, what my first inclination is to run to it and, and diffuse the problem, you know? And sometimes that's hard because not everybody has... Not everybody wants to diffuse the problem. They want to blow it up and like blow it out of proportion. It's on, yeah, like sometimes on the on the internet, you there's no accountability. Like you're never gonna. Once someone decides that you're wrong, there's almost nothing you can do to change. Oh no! Or fix that opinion. And that's where you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Let it go. Let, let it, it go. go. Love it. <laughs> Loved it. Thought it was very feminist. You're listening to Sagittarian Matters with Nicole George. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for doing your podcast. Um, I have a question. What do you do if you've had, like, consistent self-loathing? Like, what if you kind of hate yourself for many days in a row and it's not working to just, like read or watch tv or uh read a self-help book like some tips thanks this is my advice and that is getting out of those that frame of mind is an is a deliberate act like when you catch yourself the first thing is that you have to catch yourself thinking those thoughts Mm -hmm. and then you have to stop them in their tracks and then the only person that can do that for you is you what do you need to say? Get it. You have to be like, okay, I really, really need to con- deconstruct this thought. Like, is this, do I really feel this way? Like, do I really feel like this about myself? Do, I mean, what is it? What is their self-loathing? It could be anything, but what, what's a good example? Like, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. Yeah. Or like, you think you're like stupid or ugly or lazy or. Well, I think the proof is in the pudding. Like for me, like being a fat person, I grew up with this idea that I was always lazy and like really super lazy. And then I learned that actually, you know, that was people telling me that that wasn't it had nothing to do with me. And then it got to a point where I was trying to prove that I wasn't lazy so much 
that I was overdoing it. Like, and, and also I just, like, I had to stop and be like, okay, this is what I did today. That's not what a lazy person does. Or I had to stop my th myself in those in my tracks and the thought process of being like, I'm lazy. The minute I, I, it was practice and it takes practice to be like, okay, I got to stop and reprogram my thoughts. You have to reprogram yourself because especially you have to. I call, I, my, my life's work is reparenting myself, which mm. fucking sucks. And I resent it majorly. And I often am like, when is somebody just going to get here and start taking care of me? Which is never going to happen because you have to take care of yourself. and Yourself. Yeah. Speaking nice to yourself. Yeah. I have to say, I think I'm one of the only people I know that smiles at myself in the mirror all the time. And I can't tell if that's because I'm like practicing what an emotion looks like or if it's because I'm a ham and I feel like I'm on TV all the time or in a commercial. But I, like I used to do that. My myself. <laughs> but it's helpful. Or Headshots. I mean, I'm, I'm also tough on myself. Like I'll write myself a note and be like, you know, change this panel, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> motivating that's just motivation that's do, like being a coach do pilates idiot nobody do needs pilates. to stretch your back more than you nobody needs a back stretcher but i ultimately i have to say getting outside of myself is helpful like even if i'm like having a bad time and i'm like nobody loves me like sucks uh self-loathing blah, blah 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 if i go volunteer with senior citizens or go do something for that's a good else, call get outside getting of out of your head I, yeah. I, I can actually build an artificial structure that is my self-esteem that is not just me sitting at home saying I'm great. Like, I can be like, well, I'm not a complete asshole because I actually just did this and this and this. And That's what me, I mean. To me, those are things that a good person would do or that a nice person would do. And I did those things. So even if I'm not feeling it right now, I can look and see like, oh, that was a nice thing. That's exactly what I mean. The proof is in the pudding. That's my pudding. Like. You know, like exact, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like with, I thought I was lazy my whole life. And then I stopped and looked around and was like, oh, these are not things a lazy person does. And then you went and fucking shredded the elliptical machine for an hour and a half going 90 miles Or like, <laughs> there's, it's not even that, like there's more to that than being lazy. It's like, it's not exactly physically what you're doing. It's not even about physical labor. It's like, did you write a book? Did you write in your journal today? Did you, like for me, it's crocheting is a big thing that makes me feel productive and I can get, I give it to people. So, so nice it's like, That's yeah, because you think about your friends. It's something that you can create and see instant gratification. Like if your thing is like taking pictures on your phone and then you look back at it and you're like, um, I really feel empowered when I do this and I'm good at it or like yeah. whatever. It's like things like that. Like those aren't things a lazy person does. I also, I re, I've been reframing it lately. Like I've been getting down on myself for how much time I spend in the telephone K-hole. Because I find when I'm lonely or having a feeling and I need to bomb the feeling, I'll like look at my phone for too long. But I that's it's useful. I can attest to that. I actually get um, I get inspired by looking at people's pictures on Instagram. I find pictures of animals that I didn't know about. I find uh, photos yeah. of fashion and inspiration and quotes and authors that I haven't hadn't, didn't think about. So even though I'm like, God, it's so fucking stupid. I can't believe I'm just liking my friend's pictures. I'm like, seeing what my friends well, you, are up to, reaching out to human beings and getting mm -hmm. inspired and learning. I'm learning. Yeah, like you're I'm learning. Reading articles on the internet. Yeah. I'm not just... And that's incredible. It's so sticking. incredible that you can do that and just read whatever you want. Oh, like the other day... When I spent a long time looking up the Lesbian Avengers 
and looking up um, ACT UP, the AIDS group, and looking up this weird primate experimentation tour, like anti-experimentation tour that I went on in the 90s to be like, wait, what was up with that? Um, but I just spent so much time like, researching the lesbian Avengers and then going down a K-hole of reading interviews of people that started lesbian Avengers. And then I was like, yeah, the internet's good for something. Yeah, it's good for lots of things if you use it for good. I didn't go on the internet. Oh, can I tell you something? This is something that's a practice in my life. It's called HALT. Before you make a decision or respond to something in a freakish way, ask yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? <laughs> HALT. So, like, if you're on the internet and you want to respond to somebody and be like, fuck you, asshole, stop and think to yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired right now? If so, let me put this on ice, cool off, and then if I still feel excited about it, come You'll respond. This. Yeah. I see. I feel like you should throw in PMS with that. Huh? Do I want bangs? Hey, I want bangs. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Do I have PMS? You have PMS. <laughs> you know how I feel about this. That's your Never best cut your hair. you never gave me. It's, that's that's probably you could put it on my headstone. A good advice you give me: change your path because it's gonna stink. <laughs> no, ch- you better change that thing; it'll start stinking. <laughs> change your pad more often. Yeah. Uh, don't cut bangs if you have PMS. And if somebody who's around you says something imperfectly or politically incorrect, think: Are we still ultimately on the same side? Okay, then I don't need to tear them down. Yeah. For it. Imperfect is a good thing because not everybody understands your language. But also, I have I have a lot of compassion. Kristen and I argue about this a lot because she's just like, you can't. And I'm just like, yeah, but I come at it from a different place than you. What do you mean? What are you talking about? We just have two different personalities. With something, like if someone does say something imperfect or like says something insensitive or like mildly offensive, I'm just like, are they, do you think that they're coming at it from a horrible place or from an ignorant place? Like, do they not know the new terminology for the thing that you guys mm-hmm. are talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Sagittarian Matters with Nicole George. Hello, Nicole. Um, I'm calling for some advice, and uh, I've just entered into a relationship that, or I met someone that I adore, and uh, oh, she has a boyfriend. <laughs> And, uh, they're in an open relationship. And, uh, uh, should I not do it? (laughs) It's very difficult. I haven't done this before. And, uh, I feel like, uh, sometimes neglected and secondary as it goes with this arrangement. Uh, but it's really fun when we do get to hang out, and I don't know if this is healthy for me in the long run, or even in the short run. Uh, vague, generic question about open relationships and a first-timer doing it. Uh, any advice? Okay. Thanks. Bye. Okay, number one. Are you going to be able to get what you need out of this? Mm -hmm. Do you know your limits within this? Do you have your boundaries? Is it going to affect your Mm self-esteem? Do you have the emotional strength 
the physical strength and the time that it takes to process all of these feelings and time constraints and sharing does it do you feel threatened are you doing this do you do you feel okay with the word secondary <laughs> like maybe you should change the terminology i i always think about that with that i'm just like why in the fucking world would someone it's like being a size zero i'm just like why would anyone want to be a second can't you just say another part like or a like bonus? a bonus yeah you should be a bonus not a secondary thought, it's like nobody wants to play second fiddle well i thought if if this is not maybe your forever thing but you like it for now could you think of this person as your lover as like your yeah. fun time i've taken a lover like it's not that's what like, i mean it's not like a like a secondary i don't know if you can do those things and if you've gone through your feelings about it and all of them tick yes and all of the good if the good outweigh the bad or if those are things you feel like you can actually on a reality basis deal with and that you can just see it as something that not even you don't have to use the word casual or whatever it can get as serious as you want it to within those boundaries if you feel comfortable with that then you can do it but if you don't think you can don't try no. because it's just asking for trouble between three people it's just like it's drama i don't know your advice is the same as mine and i um, in Portland, it's interesting in Portland, that advice makes me feel like an old fuddy duddy, but everyone else in the world. And also I, this is the point well, where my podcast is not Dan Savage's podcast, uh, where I, am. Um, well, we're not a weird, you know, we're not a dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a dude. It's not for everybody. And it's very hard. It's like, it's also level. important to know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Some people, it's great for them because yeah. They, like our friend whose name I did, yeah. loves having a team of girlfriends. Love yeah. needs love so often that it's too much for one person. Yeah. Like she wants so much love all the time that she wants it from all, she needs to get it from all places. And she gets to have that because right. that's who she is in the world. And see, on that level, monogamy is not good for her. Right. Th then she knows that. And so she doesn't sign up for that. And that's smart. Because she's not beleaguering one person being like, more love, more love. And the person's like, or, I need time for self-love. Right. And denying herself something or entering into something falsely with someone else who is, assumes that it's a different thing. That's the other thing. It's like, there's that. So she knows what she needs. She knows what she wants. And so she asks for it. And she doesn't enter into those relationships with someone who can't give her what she needs, which is polyamory. Then... And on the same side of a different side of the same coin or whatever. Can you hear me? Yeah. On the different side of the same coin for the person who would be entering into a relationship like that, like with who's someone who's already in a relationship, you should ask yourself if that is something that you can handle, if you're that you're interested in. And see, that's a, I don't think it sounds like a funny daddy thing at all. I think it's smart. It is smart. Because that's how you end up getting, you know, your heart broken. Nobody should enter a unless it's just head over heels passion and you just can't help yourself i don't feel like anyone i'm speaking from experience i don't think anyone should insert something that they don't know without asking themselves those questions because it can do damage it damaged me it damaged that's how I me feel. i've been actually on all sides of it but when i was in my early 20s i got into an unhealthy i got into a non-monogamous relationship because i felt pressure to seem so, so did i so chill so cool so cool but i was like yeah of course i want my Purse my true love to go on dates with somebody else. Why wouldn't I want that? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's true. I was like, this is like my second girlfriend ever in my whole life, but I'm like so desperately in love with her. Of course I want her to fall in love with somebody else while we're dating. <laughs> Um, and it was a but see, that's a train wreck. But then, as an older person, there were times where I was like, "Hey, man, I just need a little bit something different. Let's just open this up a little bit." And I've yeah. cruised around, or it's a case a, by case basis. Case by case, or had like a couple casual, whatever, whatever, whatever. But see, I'm the kind of person that can't. Mm-hmm. I just can't. But I know that about myself, and it took me. I had to figure it out, you know. And that it's fine. If that's not your jam, it's fine. And if it is, it's fine. I, and one shouldn't dog the other. That's what drives me crazy. It's like, mm-mm. I'm not giving you shit for dating more than one person. Don't give me shit for only dating one. That's that's weird to me. Who gives a fuck? Nobody gives a fuck. Absolutely. No one fucking cares. Except for people who feel threatened. Oh, yeah. Well, people... I, had, I had some kind of like a, a non-monogamous bully trolling around my relationship being like, I was like, well, here's one of my boundaries. Like, I don't want to know what my girlfriend's doing. She's like, well, maybe you're not really non-monogamous then. And, like, I had, like, weird uh, early 2000s non-monogamous police patrolling around. It's none of your business how I feel. It's none of your business, mate. And also, there's lots of levels of polyamory. Like, yeah, your polyamory could be that you just want your partner to be able to make out with someone at a party and then tell you about it. It doesn't have to be that your partner is in love with two people at once or... Um, yeah that's the thing and that's it's a case-by-case basis depends on where you are one more thing somebody on instagram thought uh was commenting on a picture i posted of you and said basically was talking as if you and i were um actually romantically engaged we are (laughs) i posted this picture of us uh performing cunnilingus upon each other simultaneously i don't know why they would get that idea i know she was like, I was like, I've been, I was like, Beth's been my femme sponsor for 10 years. And she was like, I saw, she was like, I've son. been with my partner for 10 years. Isn't love great? <laughs> <laughs> it is great. You know what? I'm going to tell you it is great. I'm trying to tell you it is pretty great. Good for you. Good for love. Love America. We're partners. We're partners in crime. We're partners in crime. Not partners in 69. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're 69 and you're 86. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.